Hey, my fellow monkeys, what's up? Old Uncle Silverback here with you on the Armed Ape Podcast, the show where we review and talk about everything from guns, gear, and movies to life in general. Nothing is ever out of bounds. As always, everything we talk about has the end goal of making our lives better by cutting through all the marketing BS using logic, reason, and honest discussions. I look forward to hearing from you soon and to your participation in the show. All right, monkeys, before we jump into the show, let's go ahead and get some of our contact info out of the way. If you'd like to contact me, I have a few different ways that you can do that. We have the voicemail, which is area code 206-745-APE1, 206-745-2731. If you would like to record your own audio and have me play that for you on the show, or if you would like to write in an email and I can read that out for you, you can send that to me at thearmedape at gmail.com, all one word, thearmedape at gmail.com. Over on the website, I have the Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube buttons. If you'd like to throw some financial love my way, there's a couple of different ways that you can do that. I do have a PayPal donation button. I also have an Amazon search box where it says help support the show. Basically, the way that it works is if you go through my site, so if you use that search box or if I've got a, a link to a specific product, and you click on that and you end up buying it, Amazon basically gives me a finder's fee. There's no additional cost, so shipping isn't extra. There's nothing like that. So if you were going to purchase something anyway through Amazon, I would appreciate it if you could go through my site and, again, kind of throw me some financial love. It does help support the show, and it helps me pay for things like bandwidth for hosting and for domain names. I think that's going to do it, so let's go ahead and jump into the show. Hey, monkeys, what's going on? We have our friend from the Rimfire podcast and from Modern Rifleman Radio, Ken Kowalski, with us today. And like I talked about before, we are going to do our review of the movie Blue Ruin. So say hello to our fellow monkeys, Ken. Hey, what's going on? (laughs) All right. Well, um, Ken and I had talked a little bit before off the air about how we're going to sort of do the formats of the movie review. And we don't want to do any major spoilers or anything like that. So what we'll do is when the show draws to a close, you'll hear the actual closing music. And if you stick around after that, that's when we'll have a little bit further discussion where we talk about the end or maybe some major plot points that we wanted to discuss that might give some stuff away. Uh, So... Let me see if I can pull this junk up on IMDb here real quick. Oh, yeah, and I had it up on Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah, okay. And then what did they? What did the Rotten Tomatoes people give it? Uh, they actually gave it a 96%. Yeah. It's, uh, Average rating was uh, 8 out of 10. 
Yeah, and then it looks like on IMDb it got like a 7. So pretty, you know, 7.1. So relatively pretty high. And it seems like most people kind of liked it. So one of the things that kind of that this movie is, is uh, as far as maybe genre, it would be considered more like uh, like kind of a a thriller kind of uh, drama as opposed to, you know, like a, a straight up horror or anything like that. And also, it kind of falls into the the subgenre of a, of a thing that they call mumblecore. Now, have you ever heard of that? No, I haven't. Supposedly, if you look at guys um, like uh, the director and the writer here is a guy named Jeremy Saulnier or something like that. I don't know how to say his last name. Mm-hmm. Um, but then there's also uh, a, a guy, Adam Wingard, who's directed a few things. And the mumblecore stuff... What they try and do with the dialogue is they try and make it as sort of real to life as possible. So a lot of times Mm. the dialogue, while it does try and progress the story, it's not going to be sort of like the speech type stuff or or you feel like you're, you're getting all this expedition or expedition exposition, excuse me, kind of in one go around or, or you, you, um, you see that that people a lot of times in the movies they don't really speak like you and I would speak to each other and things like that, and you kind of accept that in a movie. And what this is doing, and a lot of times the way they have the characters act and react, are are to have it be as quote unquote real to life as possible. So, had you ever heard of this before? No, not really, not as a actual genre. Um, but it was I picked it up very quickly watching the movie. Yeah. Did you, now I've now I had watched this. Um, I some of the other podcasts I listened to had had mentioned it and talked about it. I had uh, I had watched it before a while back when it first. I think I might have even gotten the uh, the DVD of it from Netflix or something. Um, mm-hmm. Because sometimes they'll they'll get. Oh, that's another thing we should say is that the movie is available if you have Netflix streaming, so you can watch it on there. I had put out for feedback and stuff but since we're you know we're kind of getting the show kind of up and running again i haven't really gotten anything Uh, but that's another thing too if you guys want to send anything in even if it's we're two or three movies down the road go ahead and send it in on anything and give us your thoughts on it and kind of what you thought and uh whether you liked it hated it that type of stuff uh so what i'll go ahead and do is um i'll just go ahead and jump in and start to do uh, a little bit of kind of a synopsis of it. And then whenever you want to make a point or if you feel I'm missing something, just go ahead and jump right in. Okay. Uh, so the movie opens up and it opens on a guy. He's, he's bathing in a house. And at first you think, Oh, it's, it's the owner's house, but he hears some noises outside or he hears something and he kind of stops and, and uh, then it, it cuts to the front of the house and you see the actual, the family is actually returning. And so he kind of bails out and, and heads off. He goes around the, around the corner in this neighborhood and he gets dressed and everything. So you can tell he's sort of a homeless guy. And it sort of shows after this kind of, uh, kind of like a montage of sort of what life is like for him on a daily basis. Uh, so it shows him, I think he was going up, picking up cans and bottles on the beach or something like that, if I remember right. Yep. Yeah, and um, he is actually uh, living in like an old blue Bonneville, and it's got bullet holes up in the front of it and everything, and it shows him also, I think he goes to a... 
like a, a local carnival or a fair that probably goes around, you know, I don't know if it's seasonal or if it's something that goes around all the time, but one of the things I noticed was when it showed him going through the trash, he didn't have really any qualms about it. So you could tell this was kind of the normal way of life for this guy. I think the next thing is, is he's back in his car and he's sleeping and the cops pull up. The officer gets out. It's a female officer and she kind of knocks on the window. And one thing that I didn't get the very first time, and this is maybe one of the recommendations I could give is if you're watching it on Netflix is maybe watch it with the, with the subtitles on, because sometimes like we were talking about the, before the dialogue is kind of so low key that you, you can miss sort of certain things. Uh, the very first time I ever watched the movie, I didn't do that. And this time I wanted to make sure that I picked up on everything. And so I made sure to turn the subtitles on. Did you, were, did you find, did you had any problems with like the dialogue or with, uh, missing out on not, anything? Not really. Hmm. I like that first encounter where the police woman's talking to him that I understood all of that. Okay. Yeah. And then like when I she, we just, we had our volume up quite a bit. Oh, okay. And then when she, when she knocks on the door, so the thing where the, where the officer comes up and is she, she taps on the window and the one thing that I didn't pick up the first time is she's, she calls him by name and she says something like Dwight, sweetheart, it's, you know, it's officer so-and-so. Uh, so I thought that was interesting that it kind of showed that they know this guy and he's, he's really not a problem. He's, you know, kind of probably just keeps to himself and stuff. And in fact, in the, remember in the first part, he's like, oh, is it about the house? And they're like, no, 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 you need to come with us. So they take him down to the station, and then what they what she also says is somebody left this on our out front for us, which is another kind of subtle thing in that there's obviously some people that sort of know a little bit of this guy's background, and they saw something that they thought that the police should know about concerning this guy, so that he maybe you know wouldn't hurt himself or do something like that. What they do is they end up giving him she shows him a paper, and then she says we're sorry about what this person did to your family uh, and so-and-so and this person is going to be getting out and they decide to keep him in the police station. Now I took it that when they first picked him up, was it morning time? And then they keep him there pretty much most of the day. Right. Is that, or am I mistaken on that? I didn't get, I, the first part they pick him up in the morning, but I got the impression that he got to leave pretty much right away. Because I thought, I thought it showed him getting picked up in the morning and then that when he was out kind of walking around, it was at night. That, ha- that was before they picked him up. Was that before? Yeah, yeah that's when he was trying to pick up food. and. Well, so anyway, once he gets the paper, he, you can see he sort of has kind of a vague plan. He, he kind of packs up everything and... Uh, he puts a battery in the car, and then he, he also has some gas and everything in there. And you can also see that he's got in the back, he's got a uh, like a coffee can full of money. So it's not that he doesn't have anything. And then as he's driving away, you see the, the headlines on the paper says, Plea Bargain Forces 93 Double Haunt Murderer or something like that to, to go free. So part as part of the plea bargain, whoever this, this killer was, he's getting out and... and uh, Dwight, who is this homeless guy, is somebody who's going to be affected by that. And I think he, at that point, he, I think he goes into like a, 
oh, like a Circle K type place and he kind of airs up the tires and he's getting some stuff and then he picks up a map for Virginia. And then in there you also see that he, there's other maps for like the Delaware, Maryland area. So he's he's around there somewhere in that Delaware area, like on the coast somewhere. Because um, like earlier it showed him at the beach and everything. Pretty much he, I think, doesn't he, I, I can't remember if this is right after or a little bit later. I think he goes into a pawn shop. Right. And he try he's he's thinking he's gonna get a gun and then he like pulls out his money but he's only got like probably twenty dollars and then he's gonna he's he looks and he sees that there's some uh, some pistols in a case he's thinking about stealing it but the camera's like right on him so he knows he won't be able to get away with it at that point I think he goes out to the prison right to see who's getting released or is there another part after that um I don't think so I think he goes out to the prison to uh like you say to the release gate oh oh wait a minute i think or yeah okay right before that though remember he um he's driving down to virginia and he stops off at a bar oh that's right and then he's looking he's going through cars to try and find a gun and then what i thought was kind of funny oh yeah was he he uh he looks in this truck and he looks through the window and i think he sees like a gun case on the floorboard or something but did you notice on the the stickers on the back of the truck? I think it was like an NRA sticker and then like yes. a, like a scope. So I thought that was kind of neat, like right. a kind of a right. subtle um, like piece of set dressing or whatever, right? You right. know, to to, it, to indicate it, that that he would. I couldn't notice if it was a uh, Marine Corps sticker or an NRA sticker. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was one of the two. In fact, it could have been a Marine Corps sticker. In fact, it might have been. Now that I think about it. But yeah, the then the other sticker being the like a. Like scope, a, yeah, the, yeah, like a scope reticle, yeah. So he he's successful. He finds a gun in there and he opens it up. He drives off and he's opening it up, and it's got a trigger lock on it. And then he pulls off in a park like that next day or something, and he's trying to get it off. And he's got a crowbar and he's just beating the crap out of the, out of the pistol trying to get the thing off. And then he, which I don't think it would have happened this way, but he he basically. I think he he breaks the cylinder actually out of the pistol. Yeah. Uh, and so he ends up throwing it in the garbage and taking off. And then after that, that's when he goes to the uh, to the prison gate. Uh, and then he, he watches some people pull up in a limo, and they get this guy, and you hear him say, like, welcome home, or how's it going, Dwight? So this, not Dwight, uh, what's the guy's name? Uh, uh, the killer. I forget his name, honestly. Oh, gee whiz. Um, Wade. That's the guy's right, name. Right. Uh, they pick him up, and then they, he follows them, and they end up going back to a bar. Now, I couldn't, I didn't know if that was a bar where maybe they just worked or if they owned it. It seemed like they owned it to me. Yeah, that's what I thought. Like it was their their place. Yeah. So he he kind of follows them, and he's watching. And then what he does is he starts going around the back to see if he can maybe get in through the side. He actually goes in through a back door. Uh, that's open and he's, he's sort of peering around and he sees what's going on. And then he makes his way. I think he goes into the men's room just as part of exploring, but also maybe to kind of regroup or to try and figure out what he's going to do. Cause I think he kind of had a, a, uh, maybe a little bit of a plan, but he kind of, it doesn't really seem like he does, or he's not really that organized. Um, no, he, he's definitely pulling the whole thing on like, uh, on the fly. Yeah. As you'd say. Uh, and so while he's hiding out in the bathroom, he hears some people coming in. And so he goes into a stall. 
And then there's a couple of guys, one of them who is this uh, guy named Wade, who's the guy who just got out of prison. And then the other dude who's in there with him, who's like his brother or his cousin or something, heads out. And then Wade is in there just by himself and he's washing up. The guy Dwight is looking through the stall door. And then the guy Wade feels like he's being watched or something. He looks in the mirror and then he he can see, because there's a, there's a kind of a pretty big gap in the in the stall door. He can see that somebody's in there. And then boom, immediately Dwight jumps out and he goes to stab him and he kind of gets him and he cuts him in the neck. And then that Dwight guy, or, uh, and then Dwight gets picked up by Wade and kind of thrown up against the wall. And at this point, I wasn't exactly sure where he stabbed him. Was it in, was it through the ear or was it through the skull? It seemed like it was through the temple. Yeah. Yeah. Like the side of his skull. Now, here's a question as a, as a medical man. Would he be able to do that like in real life with like a, that fillet? Because he has a, uh, basically it's a, a fish knife. knife. I don't think with that knife. Yeah, because it's, yeah, it's a fishing knife. Yeah. You know, just for cleaning trout. And I think the, the blade would be too um, fragile. Yeah. And that's why I that. thought, well, maybe he went like right in through the ear or something. or I, That could have been. But. Uh, it happens really quick. Yeah. Yeah, it's super fast. Anyway, Wade kind of hits the dirt, and he's sort of bleeding out. And then you, another thing I liked is when you look at Dwight, he's just like covered in blood. Right. <laughs> and then he just kind of is sort of in a daze. He makes his way out kind of back through the back. <laughs> he goes in to get into his car, and it. I, I should mention that it's just um, Dwight's car and then the family car is there. They're the only ones at this bar right now because it's probably, what, 10 in the morning, something like that? Yeah, and they own a limo. Yeah. And he, Dwight, as he's coming out, he's he looks at the limo and he's like, oh, and he gets the idea that he'll flatten one of the tires, <laughs> which I thought was kind of funny. So he runs up and he just stabs the tire super hard. Well, when he does it, it's that little fillet knife. So there's no real guards or anything on it. And his hand, it goes right up the blade. Yeah. And he, he just cuts the crap out of his hand. Well, he jumps in his car and he's going to try and drive away. And I guess because, so he wouldn't ever lose his car keys. He always kept them on like a little, like one of those little dog tag chains around his neck. And in the fight with Wade in the bathroom, it had come off. I can't, does he go back in or does he start to go back in and then abandon that no. idea? No, he just, that's far as I remember, he just takes off with the limo. Yeah. What he does is he jumps into the limo. He's looking around. And he finds the key in the visor. And then he, he, uh, and at this point when he starts, then the other people inside Wade's family finds him and they come running out. And so he's able to kind of get away in the, in the limo and he drives what, maybe a mile or two down the road and he hears somebody banging in the back. And it turns out there's like a, I don't know, 15, 16 year old kid in the back, a, a, a young man. And he pulls over to the side and he's talking to the kid and, and, uh, the kid asked him, he said, did you hurt Wade? And he's like, yeah, I did. And of course, you know, when you're looking at this guy, he's just like head to toe covered in blood. And then the kid said, I can't remember his exact wording, but he well, said. It, it went from the kid who's asked him if he, he hurt Wade. And uh, our character says, yeah, I did. He hurt my parents. Oh, that's right. That's right. So yeah, this is the point at at the at this point in the movie. That's when you would actually find out kind of what had happened, and this really isn't a major spoiler because the, all this stuff happens. This is what we're maybe fifteen minutes into the movie, yeah. maybe twenty. 
Right. And then when when Dwight says that, when our our guy says that, the kid says to him, "No, I don't think he did." And then he turns off and starts running back toward the uh, toward the bar. And then at this point, Dwight, because the front tire is low. I guess Dwight just, I don't know if he drives some more or if he just at that point abandons the car and just kind of heads off through the woods. Um, yeah, that's not real clear. They kind of cut to the next scene. Yeah, and the next scene is is he's going into, there's uh, some construction, and then he, it's a quick flash, but it shows him he's looking at some of the houses, and he sees one where a bunch of newspapers are piled up. So he, he kind of uses some of his homeless skills, uh, which they, you know, had kind of demonstrated earlier in the movie that he's, you know, he's, he's pretty good at taking care of himself and, and kind of being homeless for lack of a better term. So anyway, he goes into this house and he gets himself cleaned up and he's watching the news, which I, I took that to mean maybe he had been there at least overnight before he heads out. Um, Mm -hmm. Because it wouldn't make sense for him to just immediately go in and look at the news because I don't know if anything would have been reported that fast. But anyway, he gets all cleaned up. He shaves, cuts his hair, and he takes some clothes and stuff out of the closet, and he heads out. At that point, does he hitch a ride? Because somehow he needs to get, he still needs to yeah, get. Yeah, I don't know what he ends up doing for a vehicle Yeah, at that point. Yeah, I think, I, I want to say I think at that point he hitches a ride with a trucker or something. Oh, that's right. I, I thought that. I do remember that. Yeah. And then the trucker gets him somewhere, you know, in, in town. And I'm, I don't know if they ever say what town his sister or his, th- this person that he goes to meet, which turns out to be his sister, who's a lady named Sam. And he kind of comes to the door, meets up with her, and then they end up going to uh, a diner. And Sam has, I don't think you ever see your husband, but, and I think maybe she's supposed to be divorced. Just because of some other stuff, I don't. I don't know though. They weren't real clear on that either. I didn't think. Yeah, it, it seemed like that. That was the case to me that yeah. she was a single mom and. Yeah, and she's got two little kids, and what? One of them's probably five, and the other one's oh, I can't remember. Close. Yeah, they're real close. Like you know, they're they're super close in age. But anyway, uh, so they end up going to uh, this little diner. At that point, he tells her, "Hey, you know, I killed, I I killed Wade." And she's and she's basically glad. She's like, glad I'm glad you did it, and I hope he suffered, and you know all this other stuff. And then it kind of comes to a point where I think she dawns on him that they've left the kids alone, and well, with the babysitter, and that maybe you know the reason he hasn't seen anything on the news yet is because they never reported it. Yeah, and then also the the sister, it, it's a. It's a little bit of kind of the plot, you know, it, it helps you to understand sort of what's going on. She says, oh, the Bonneville is still in my name. And if you want it, you're, you're going to need to get it changed over to you. Right. You know, so basically she doesn't, you know, she doesn't have to worry about it anymore. Um, and then that's the point where I think that also kind of keys in with him, like you were saying about, oh, they haven't reported this to the police and right. they're going to look to get maybe revenge. And he's left the car there and there's, I don't know if maybe there's old registration or anything like that, or if they have a way to find out where it's from. But if there's an old registration in there, it would have her address and everything, which I think may have been the, the, I don't know if that was the parents old home and she got it after the, you know, after they were killed. Uh, But anyway, 
so they end up racing back home and he basically tells her, Hey, you know, you got to get out of town because they're going to, they're going to make this personal and they're going to be coming probably looking for you because they're going to figure either I'm here or, you know, this is where they're going to start type thing. And so she's, you know, she kind of gets mad at him and she, she realizes, you know, because of what he's done, that all this stuff is kind of now being kind of heaped on her again. So she's going to have to deal with these like violent people and, you know, all this other stuff. And so she ends up, she goes out of town and he ends up kind of hanging out at the house. And one thing that's funny is he goes, do you have a gun? And she just goes, oh, of course not. Which I didn't really know. I didn't know if that meant like that since her parents were shot and killed that she just didn't want guns or if it was sort of like kind of that typical Hollywood stuff of, you know, they're kind of anti-gun anyway. I don't I didn't get that impression from the movie overall. Yeah. That they're anti-gun at all. But the sister definitely seemed like as a character she was. Yeah. And I that's why I was saying I kind of thought maybe it was like she didn't want it. Or she didn't want a gun around maybe because her parents had been, you know, the, their parents had been killed or had been shot to death. So, you know, I, I didn't know one way or the other. But anyway, so what he's trying to do is he's looking around to try and maybe find something that will allow him to defend himself if they show up. And uh, he ends up getting like a pitchfork and he puts a jar of, no, uh, does he put a thing of pennies by the door? Or is that later on? I think that's later on. But anyway, he's up there into the house and he's looking around at stuff. It becomes nighttime. Yeah, and then I think he 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 drifts off and then he kind of wakes up and he sees that his car is actually outside in front of the house. And at that point, He's like, oh boy, and he—I don't know if he sees him getting out or if he just—he he notices that there's nobody in there, and then he—I um, think he saw him because I think he saw two men mm-hmm. coming out, and basically they try and break into the house. A bunch of stuff kind of goes down a little bit. He is going to try and sneak out of the house while they're in there, and he actually—that was another thing that the sister had told him in the in the diner—is oh, there's an extra set of keys to the car. You know, at the house, and so he gets the extra set of keys. He tries to sneak out while the guys are in there. They hear him or see him. One guy has a one guy has a shotgun, and the other dude has a crossbow. <laughs> the very first time I watched it, I thought, well, that's kind of a weird thing. But actually, for the crossbow, would kind of make sense because you wouldn't hear anything, right? No neighbors would hear anything. So the guy uh, is is shooting from him at him from the upstairs window. Dwight gets into the car, he starts it up and takes off. And then the other guy who's down on the ground comes at him with a shotgun and Dwight just hits him with the car. Bam. And then he, I think at that point, he's going to try and get the guy in the car to try and use him maybe as a bargaining chip or to get information. The other guy keeps shooting at him with the crossbow. And then as he's loading the guy with the shotgun, who's knocked out now, as he's loading him into the back seat, he takes a crossbow bolt right to the leg. And I thought his reactions and everything was really good on that. Mm-hmm. Um, he basically drives kind of out into the country a little bit. He takes the guy who's still who's still unconscious, puts him in the trunk and locks him in there. He makes sure to take like anything that could enable the guy to get out, out of the trunk. So he takes like the crowbar and some tools and stuff that he's got out. He then goes into town and goes to a uh, like a like a Walgreens or something like that, and, and gets a bunch of uh, first aid stuff. Mm-hmm. And the very first time I saw it, I thought, "Oh, are they going to do the thing where he kind of operates on himself and 
and, you know, patches himself up. And he, he tries to do that. He does give it the good old college try. He wedges the arrow in the door and he kind of saws it off to where it's not. Oh, he, he does that before he goes into town so that, you know, he's he can kind of hide his leg a little bit. But once he gets back out to the country, he tries to operate on himself and he just can't. Um, the pain is too great. He just doesn't have the skill. He's not going to make it. And so he realizes if I don't go into the hospital, into town, I'm going to bleed out. I'm going to die. So he goes into the hospital and he's like, I've had an accident with my leg or something like that. (laughs) And then he passes out. And of course they take and they patch him up, but he doesn't have any ID on him. He, you know, so they don't know who he is or anything like that. And then he wakes up in the hospital, you know, I'm assuming a few hours later. Right. And he looks down at his leg and it's all stitched up and everything. And basically he, after some minor surgery. Yeah. And, uh, basically he just, he kind of just sneaks out. He just slowly walks out and, uh, he's in the hospital gown. Where does he get his clothes from? Oh, he, oh, he, uh, he goes to one of those little clothing donation places. Right. And he sees some clothes that are on the, in like in some garbage bags. He gets dressed there. He, I think prior when he was in the house, he was had found an old yearbook and he was looking through that and he looks at a picture of one of his old friends and he ends up uh, going to his friends where his, uh, his buddy used to live in high school and talks to his mom and says, Hey, is, is so-and-so back is and the guy's name is Ben is his friend. And she's like, Oh, you know, he's been back a while now and he was, I, th- I think he was in the army or something and had gone to Iraq, I think is what the mom said or what, what Ben says later in the movie. And I think he, Ben was just, he was infantry, I think. So he ends up hooking up with Ben. Some of the part too, where a lot of the people kind of knew what had happened. And I was a little bit confused on the timeline on how some of this stuff is and when the movie is supposed to take place. Cause I think the movie is supposed to take place maybe in what, 2007 or something like that. Even though the movie I think was made in 2012. So it's supposed to, I think take place a little bit in the past because on the thing, the paper said that the murder happened in 93 when they were talking to Wade, the guy who was the killer, he had said something like he had done 10 years in prison. Hmm. So I think any figure after a trial. Yeah. So I I think it's taken a couple of years. It's been maybe a couple of years or so. And and after all that stuff. And then uh, once he does the plea agreement and then there was also another thing where Ben talked about, he says, Oh, you know, I was putting all these flyers up because you went missing. So how do you think? Oh, so anyway, before I do that. And he, he says something like, Oh, when El Duce got hit by a train and El Duce is actually a real guy. Uh, he was like one of these kind of, um, oh, like dirt bag, dirt, eh, excuse me, dirt, dirt bag. There we go. Punk rocker guys. Mm-hmm. And he was actually, a, he was kind of um, affiliated a little bit with Kurt Cobain and Courtney Love and all those people. And his real name was Eldon Hoke. And he actually, he had made all these allegations about how that Courtney Love, and this is in real life, how that Courtney Love had, had actually had something to do with Kurt Cobain's death. And then a few days later, he was found, uh, he had gotten hit by a train 
after he had gotten drunk and wandered across the tracks or something. And so some people were saying, oh, that was foul play or that Courtney Love killed him too in real life. So, <laughs> But I thought that was interesting that they threw that in. So that gave a, a little bit of a timeline. And I think he got hit by that train. I looked it up. That would have been... I think it was 90s. It was 97. Okay. So that's why I was thinking maybe... Dwight went missing in 97 and it's, it's maybe 10 years later. So yeah. I, I don't know if the, the trial would have taken four years or maybe if he kind of stuck around in town a little bit and then he took off. Um, yeah. I didn't pick up on a lot of what you're talking about timeline wise. Yeah. And like I said, the very first time I didn't really pick up on any of this stuff either. The second go around, I was trying to pay attention and look at some of the little details. So Dwight and, and Ben kind of, uh, Dwight goes and finds Ben at a, at a bar where his mom tells him he's working and, uh, they kind of re kind of reconnect a little bit. And then Ben gives him, gives Dwight a gun and says, Oh, I got this property. I, you know, where I live is there's 16 acres and it's kind of isolated farmland and, and, uh, you can sort of do what you need to do out there. At that point he gives him, I think he gave him a mini 14. Well, he was, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. He had a variety of weapons. And that was actually one of the neat things about that scene was that you could tell that the the writer did know a few things. Yeah, yeah. And it comes across in Ben's dialogue. Yeah. And, uh, it's not like an extravagant collection or anything. Well, too, I think they're in, I don't know what the gun laws are in Virginia, but you know they're close or all around that stuff they're close to DC and everything so i you know i think maybe like delaware and maryland and all that stuff i think they have some well especially maryland has some pretty strict gun stuff yeah so i thought too it made sense the the stuff that that ben had kind of made sense cuz he had a mosin he had uh i i can't remember what kind of pistol he had but then he ended up giving him that mini 14 with a with a 20 round magazine right so dwight goes back out and he to, to where the uh, drives kind of out on the property a little bit to an isolated spot. And he opens up the trunk and ends up talking to Wade's brother, who is a guy named Teddy. And at this point is where you find out kind of a lot of the background of what happened with the killing, how things kind of went down. And while Dwight is holding the gun on Teddy, Teddy says something like, uh, Dwight says he just wants the truth or something like that. And then Teddy said something like, well, okay, you know, the guy that, oh, what did he say? Uh, Teddy tells Dwight something like, Wade didn't kill your brother. And then yeah. Dwight says, that's not true. And then Teddy says back to him, hey, the guy holding the gun gets to tell the truth. Meaning that, you know, whoever's got the gun on you, whatever they say, that's what you have to agree to no matter what. Right. But... At that point, you find out from Teddy that Dwight's dad and Wade and Teddy's mom, who is the, the wife of who they called Big Wade, um, that actually were, were having an affair and that Big Wade actually killed Dwight's father in revenge. And the mom was just sort of at the wrong place at the wrong time. And, you know, he was like, yeah, that was unfortunate, but hey, you know, when you go messing with somebody's family, that's kind of what you get type thing. I can't remember if at that point he tells him, 
Dwight tells him that, hey, I, you know, well, let's set up a meeting with the rest of your family because I want this to end. And I want to know, were you there to get me or to get my sister? And I don't, you know, she doesn't have any part of this. And I want you to leave her and her family out of it. So he tosses him the phone. Teddy is, is trying to set up a meeting. He's like, oh, I can't. Um, nobody's home at this one place. Can I call him at the other place at the house or the, some other deal? And, and uh, he's like, yeah, go ahead. And uh, he says, well, hey, my, my sister wants to talk to you. He's like, well, bring here, come get the phone. And, he's, and then Dwight's a little hesitant. And he says, look, my leg is broken. I can't do anything. And so Dwight approaches him and tells him, look away. And then, of course, when he gets closer to him, Teddy, his leg's not broken. He jumps out of the trunk and gets the drop on Dwight. And that's when he tells Dwight, well, like, yeah, we're going to go after your sister and all this other stuff. And, you know, I'm going to I'm going to kill you and then we're going to go after and get him. And, you know, basically you should have just left it alone. And then should we go on any further or kind of stop here? I think that might be. Yeah, we're getting into spoiler territory. Yeah. What we'll do now, I guess, is we'll just maybe talk a little bit. Maybe about like generalities, like how you liked it, didn't like it. Would you, would you recommend it? That type of thing. Sounds good. Are we going to go by like the the normal review format? Oh, you know, I don't know. I, I guess maybe we could go by a thing of like, I guess we could have maybe categories or something like that where we just say like, oh, it can be like a don't bother, don't bother to watch it. You know, it's, it's a rented or, you know, watch it on Netflix type thing. Or, you know, you got to see it. You know, it doesn't have to be anything, but, you know, can, we can do it kind of fast and loose because we're, we're going to do other stuff in the thing. But I guess maybe we should have at least like maybe a don't bother or a rent it. Or if you've got like a Netflix thing, you know, watch it or, a you know, um, it's a it's a must see type thing. So, yeah. So what did you think overall in general? I think overall, if you have Netflix, it's a must see. Yeah, absolutely. I would I would agree a hundred percent. I th- I think the audience of the Armed Ape would definitely appreciate the the movie in its entirety. Yeah, you know, there's lots of themes that go through kind of the movie of you know, is revenge worth it? Is it something that anything ever good comes out of it? You know, there's there's a little bit of stuff of how your actions. Uh, why you may think they may only affect you can kind of ripple out and affect other people. Uh, but yeah, I definitely say if you've got Netflix, it's a must see, or even if it's like a red box, cause it's only for like a dollar or so, if you could find it on a red box or something like that, it would definitely be, be worth watching. Um, now, like you were saying before, you're either going to need to have the volume up or, you know, maybe watch it a couple of times. Uh, like I said, I watched it. I've, this is my second viewing of it. And I enjoyed it, I think, a little bit more on the second viewing because I, I picked up on a lot of little subtle things. I thought they did a really, really good job of taking you, the audience member, kind of on the journey without really having to like spell everything out or treat the audience like they're dumb. You know, they right. It, right. you didn't have a lot of exposition the things that the characters did made sense. And there were a lot of little things like when they were in the diner, you remember there was a dude that was sitting next to him and they're having this really like intense moment. (laughs) Right. And the guy's like, Hey, you got any ketchup on your table? (laughs) Which is, you know, was something that would happen. Right. And, and, and that guy that asked for the ketchup, he all of a sudden realizes that he's intruded. 
Yeah. In a very tense, and he's like, oh, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and there was a lot of little things like that throughout the movie. Yeah. Um, that I thought, you know, that showed a lot of attention to detail. And this guy, I think, has uh, the director, like I said, uh, Jeremy Saulnier, S. A-U-L-N-I-E-R, if anybody ever wants to look it up. Or you can just go to either like, you know, Rotten Tomatoes or IMDb and just type in Blue Ruin and, and you'll you'll see who it is. But the interesting thing was it was saying that he's going to be coming up with another movie. Um, hmm. I think on here it says something like uh, a movie called The Green Room, which is going to come out this year, which I'm looking forward to it. If people want something that's kind of similar, there's a guy like I had mentioned, I think I'd mentioned earlier, Adam Wingard, uh, who directed that movie You're Next and a couple other things. Uh, I think A Horrible Way to Die and some other stuff, which is similar in style to this. Um, they're both really pretty smart movies, or, or they're, these guys are, are um, uh, directors that kind of give the audience a lot of credit. Uh, right. right. You know, for, and it's much appreciated. Yeah. Yeah, and and you know what's nice too about this movie is this movie is not made for you know that that fourteen to eighteen year old audience. Not to say that a fourteen or an eighteen year old, if they were a little bit more sophisticated, couldn't enjoy it. I think they absolutely could, but it's it's definitely a movie that is not you know trying to go after that younger market. Um, it's a real, it's a smart movie. It's well acted. Later in the movie, and this isn't really a spoiler at all, but if you remember one of the female characters, she kind of looked familiar to me the first time. And I thought, who is that? Who is that? And then I, I, the very first time I went and looked it up, and I thought, oh, that's Eve Plum. And Eve Plum played Jan on the Brady Bunch. No kidding. Yeah, so... You know, and everybody else, I didn't, I didn't really recognize anybody. Did, did, was anybody familiar to you? The, um, the friend Ben actually was. And I couldn't remember where I had seen him. Uh, and I, I went through and looked at the, um, his thing on Rotten Tomatoes. And the only thing I really found that I recognized, although I never really, I think I watched one of them, and uh, was he was the older brother in the Home Alone? That oh, he was always mean to his brother. Oh, okay. I, I swear I've seen him in some other things because I, I recognized him immediately. Yeah, but, and but that's one of the things that I thought I was that was interesting was I didn't recognize anybody else, um, including Eve Plum. I didn't really realize that that was who it was yeah so all right well i uh i think that'll kind of do it for our our uh i guess our triumphant return here to the armed ape uh so we'll go ahead and call this the show to a close and then i'm gonna we'll have the music and then after you guys hear the music if you don't want to any to hear any spoilers or anything you just go ahead and shut it off uh, then you can always come back to the show maybe after you've seen the movie um, but Ken and I are going to talk about the end, and so that will be uh, that will have a lot of uh, a lot of spoilers in it. Uh, so, other than that, um, we will see you guys next time. Take care, everybody. And Ken, thanks for coming on the show. No problem.
now we are back to do the spoiler section. So again, if you don't want to have any spoilers, go ahead and shut it off now. And at the end of the show, Ken and I will just say adios, and that'll be sort of it. So when we left off, Teddy, who's who's the brother of Wade, had gotten the drop on Dwight. Right. And he is telling Dwight, you know, we're going to kill you. I'm going to kill you. And he actually even tells him something like, I'm going to cut you up first. Then he's basically saying, we're going to go after your sister and this, that, and the other thing. And, you know, you kind of brought all this stuff on yourself. And and uh, all of a sudden you hear this like, Pshoo! you hear like a bullet go by. And then, and then Teddy's kind of looking around and all of a sudden, boom, he gets shot right in the head. <laughs> and it's it's really out of the blue because at first you don't really know what that sound is either as you know as a as a viewer and then Ben comes up and says hey you know I had which which is kind of funny cuz he said hey I had to make it legal at least on my part I had to make sure he was pointing the gun at you but then they're they're moving the body and they're doing all this other <laughs> stuff so I don't know if maybe if he would say well you know Dwight had another gun or got a hold of a gun and and would you know force him to do it or whatever but uh, anyway, Dwight ends up going to their house, going to the uh, the last name of the people who ended up killing Dwight's parents was Cleveland. And he ends up going to their home. He eventually buries Teddy out in the backyard. He also drinks a bunch. Of, you see him, he's drinking a bunch of water. And you're thinking, oh, he's just thirsty from the thing. But that's really not it. He goes out to pee on the dad's grave. Right. And he kind of sets up in the house waiting for the family to, to return. I'm a little fuzzy on, I made some notes, but I didn't really do a whole bunch. Um, One thing I thought was weird. I didn't really understand it too well, but he checks the messages on the phone. He checks the answering machine. Well, I think. I'm not sure if he's just trying to get the message off of there of, when Teddy called home, I think he just checks it just to see maybe if if the family is is saying like, oh, we're going to be at the bar all night or something like that. I think because he's there for a little bit, and then what happens is it's it's uh, back in the olden days. A lot of times you you could call into your answering machine, and you could punch in your punch in a code, and it would play back the messages to you. True, and so that's what actually happens. Uh, and then he gets the idea from that point to get them to come to the house. He, on on uh, Teddy's cell phone that he has, that he got off of him, he goes outside and calls the home phone because they don't know where Teddy is. They know that Teddy and then the other brother had gone out, uh, the guy with the crossbow, mm-hmm. had gone out looking for Dwight and we're going to go to the sister's house. And of course, he's they know that he's maybe got him or something like that, but they don't know what's actually happened to him. Uh, Dwight calls over to to the phone and leaves a message because he knows that they're going to check because the last thing that they had heard was that Teddy had gotten the jump on Dwight because that was that was remember the phone had fallen to the ground that was still recording on the on the home on the home uh, answering machine right so um, anyway he gets all boarded up he leaves a message to draw the family in and also when when Ben uh, is going to help try and help him with the gun. He was like, I guess he was watching. And when he, when Dwight first shot um, at, at uh, Teddy to get him to talk, he was doing it maybe just to scare him. But I think Dwight took that as he was going to shoot him, but missed because that's why he gives him that circuit judge. Right. 
And he, I thought that was funny. He was like, man, how could you miss a guy from two yards? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that was pretty funny. Yeah, he takes him out for the little bit of practice. Yeah. And he, he gives says, him that circuit judge, which shoots a 410. Right. And he, he even mentions, he's like, well, 12 gauge would be a whole lot better, but you seem to handle this one okay. Yeah. Yeah. And then um, one thing, another thing that I thought was interesting, and it, it showed a little bit of foreshadowing, but Dwight or uh, um, Ben says to Dwight, uh, or Dwight says to, to him at first, I'm sorry I brought you into all this. And he's like, ah, it's okay. And he's, he said something like, you're not doing this because it's right. You're, this is really, really ugly. Uh, meaning basically the, the kind of the going to get revenge and everything. Mm-hmm. And then what he says, he says, uh, when you've got the gun, he says, this is personal to you. And so when you've got the gun pointed at him, shoot, don't talk. And he said, but this is personal and that's why you're going to fail. Right. Um, so he, he basically kind of foretells a little bit of what, what's going to happen. So anyway, the family, eventually they get the message. They come bursting back in. He's been there a while because I think he gets there. He's been there at least overnight, I think. And the family comes in. There's, I think, two sisters and the brother, uh, the older brother. And then there's the younger brother whose name is William. When they come into the house, they play the message again. And in Dwight's message that he left on the on the answering machine, he was like, you know, just leave my sister out of it. And the one guy yells, we're going to get her. That's why we're going to do that. And why do you think we went up there? And like, she's going to die. And then Dwight just pops around the corner and he shoots the brother. Mm-hmm. And then he actually shoots the sister like in the arm. Uh, and then he shoots the brother, the older brother again. So he's dead for sure. Um, and then they basically have a bunch of dialogue about this, that, and the other thing. And while they're talking, the younger brother, William, is kind of comes around the corner and he's got a shotgun that I guess they had in the car. And if you remember, when when Dwight is loading Teddy into the car when they were back at, at his sister's house, uh-huh. he left that shotgun on the street. Oh, right. He didn't right. pick it up. So that's the shotgun I think that they have. So William comes around, he shoots Dwight, um, and then I think at that point Eve Plum goes for like the Mac Ten that's under the recliner. Uh, he ends up he ends up getting shot, I think. Or oh wait a minute, did uh, did William shoot Dwight? Yeah, he does. He shoots him, um, and then Eve Plum shoots him, shoots Dwight. She catches him with a couple of rounds. And then he actually shoots and kills her. And then he kills the other sister as well. Mm-hmm. And then William is starting to back away. And then Dwight's saying, like, the keys are in the car, the keys are in the car, like, basically get out of here. Now, did you catch at the end what what Dwight says to him, like, when he first got shot by William? And he's still kind of up against the wall. He's still upright and everything. And then he says to him, I, I, my gun's got more bullets than yours. And that's when William puts down the shotgun is kind of standing off to the side. Right. Did you catch that what Dwight says to William is, he says, you are my father's son. Oh, no, I missed that. See, and I missed that the first time I saw it too. So the way, and they never, they never say anything more, the way that Big Wade, so Wade Sr., 
found out about the affair is his wife was pregnant. Oh. And so it must have somehow it must have come out that that wasn't his son or, you know, who knows how it came out. But if you and that's why I was saying trying to figure out the timeline, William is probably about what in between like 14 and 16. Right. Right. Um, Makes sense. And so if you look at the time of the murder, it -hmm. would put him right about probably, you know, let's say after, you know, after he had been born or something. And then it, it comes out that that's not his son. Mm-hmm. And then that, of course, gives you more understanding of maybe why the character did that, why the big Wade went and killed him. Right. Um, and so, and I don't know if maybe um, if how Dwight would have known or if it was a thing where Dwight just sees the resemblance and understands like, oh, you know, this guy looks maybe exactly like I did when I was that age mm-hmm. or something. I, you know, I, I didn't know, but. Uh, and that's pretty much how the the movie ends. William gets away. Everybody is dead. Dwight dies. Um, and because everybody's sort of in that immediate family other than William, who you, by his actions, he's not going to go after the sister or anything. He's going to just let it lie. And it'll look what it'll look like is that they just had a shootout amongst the family, right. you know, amongst the people that were there. So I think that's it. And I think that's how it ends. And it just sort of, I think at that point it fades to black. So uh, that's sort of the, the movie kind of in a nutshell uh, with spoilers and everything. Was there anything I missed or anything maybe you wanted to add? No. Well, other than the scene where Ben takes out Teddy. Yeah. Is, is phenomenal. (laughs) (laughs) And I recognize the set. They did a really good job of making a very realistic sound of that first shot. Yeah. Because you don't hear the crack. All you hear is the the round whistle by. Yeah. And it's interesting. You see it on Teddy's face like, what the heck was that? And, the you know, the very next second, Teddy's head splits open and he just thumps. Or he crumps, I should say. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it, it's done, I think, very realistically where you don't, you know, you don't see him do a backflip after getting hit in the head or anything crazy. It was just really well done. And it's so un- unexpected. Yeah. Yeah. It's really out of the blue. That uh, I I just liked that scene a lot. Yeah. Um for for the realism and it coming out of the blue uh it was a shocker especially you know it, the movie overall is in that realistic theme you know where they're not the movie's not instructive there's not any extra dialogue that's unnecessary yeah yeah it's, it, everything that's on there needs to be on there and everything that's in there advances the story right right and then, you know, oh, that was another thing that we didn't really touch on is why Wade was in prison. And Teddy said, well, I had two strikes against me. So if I go into prison, I'm never going to come out. And Wade could do the time is what he says. And then he also says, Big Wade had cancer and we weren't going to let him basically die in in prison, you know, of cancer. He And so what he tells Dwight is, you know, 
you know, he got to watch his TV shows. He got to drink. He got to do all this stuff he wanted. And he killed your parents, you know, ha 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 type thing. So, yep. All right. Well, I tell you what, let's go ahead and, and call it to a close. I think you had wanted to do maybe Das Boot. Yeah, that was on Netflix. And it's one, I guess, kind of a classic movie. Okay. Sort of in a way that I've never seen. And I'm sort of on a military movie kick. Okay. Right All now. right, well, let's uh, let's go ahead and we'll set that for next week. Does, is Friday going to work out pretty good for you for recording? I think so, yeah. I have school in the morning, so I'm usually home, you know, Friday afternoon. Okay, and we may end up doing something like Friday evening or something like that, but we'll, uh, we'll work out the details a little bit more. All right, monkeys, that is it. Uh, Ken and I will see you next week. And again, the movie we're going to do is going to be Das Boot. It is on Netflix if you've got Netflix streaming. Uh, And if you want to send in any feedback either on Blue Ruin or if you've got suggestions, anything like that for movies you'd like to do. Or uh, I know George had sent me an email, um, George Hatch from, uh, oh, Canadian, what is it? Uh, yeah, New Shooter Canada. New Shooter Canada, that he might want to participate as well. So, uh, George, because uh, his his co-host was just trying to Facebook call me. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, uh, George, if you're out there and you're list happening to listen to this, if you want to get in on it, uh, we'll we can all kind of get that set up. But uh, or if you just want to send in some uh, audio, and that goes for everybody. If you want to send in audio or send in an email, uh, you can send that to thearmedape at gmail dot com and. Uh, We will see you guys next time. Take care, monkeys. Say goodbye again. Bye. This guy's got a monkey scrotum and he's bragging about it. Oh, Tini!